This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And if you enjoy what we do here, be sure to subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself in the Athletics Alley Com. Bijani each week live to get in on the action locker room changing the way that we talk sports and joining us today by way of the locker room app is none other than the man the myth the legend himself Nets insider Ali Khan Bijani what you got for me Ali Khan Nets insider oh my god are we are we getting carried away with that I think we're getting a little too carried away with that okay all right I'll, I'll stop with the Nets insider stuff you know if if you know I get a chance to cover that team we'll see but for now we still, we still sticking with just the Rockets. Well, we, we've got a really loaded show here today. And the reason for that is we're going to talk in a, in a moment. We're going to kind of reflect on Kevin Porter Jr.'s season, uh, look back on, on how things kind of started for him. We're going to even take a jump back, look at the G League, you know, his transition to the NBA game, what we liked, what we didn't like, um, just kind of all of that, all encompassing. But first, right here off, off the top, we just both finished watching a masterclass performance by Kevin Durant the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden, who had a pretty rough game. We're just going to omit the James Harden game, uh, the hamstring game. In fact, I guess that's what we're going to have to call this one. But what's your first immediate reaction to watching Kevin Durant pour in 49 points and secure this win in the pivotal game five uh, against the Bucks? You know, what's really interesting, you know, obviously he scored a lot whenever he had the ball in his hands and kind of initiating offense for himself, whether it was through isolation, just kind of knocking down some dead-eye shots or just high screen and roll. Blake Griffin sending a screen really high, he attacking, attacking uh, Brooke Lopez and the pain and scoring. But what really impressed me was how he chose his spots. He played 48 minutes. And then at the same time, not only did he play that entire game, but he conserved his energy for when his team needed it needed it the most, which was the end of each quarter. You saw in the end of the first, especially that second is starting towards the end, that third towards the end, and then the fourth quarter as well. Um, he he picked his correct spots to be able to take over the game. And not just with the ball in his hands, but also off the ball as well. They really utilized his ability to screen, um, be an off-ball screener, open up shots for Joe Harris, uh, Landry Shamit. Jeff Green, he had some sensational passes, which we saw in his 10 assists tonight as well. I think he and James, after that rough kind of where they were rushing things offensively in the first half, they got they got it going and they were able to kind of take advantage of the mismatches they wanted to. You saw, you, you basically saw what it, it felt like to watch the Rockets a few seasons ago when it, there was obviously a lot more movement today with the Nets, but you saw what, what it was like to have two superstars kind of dictate the tempo and pace of the game. Um, if you're a Rockets fan, and that's what we saw a lot of tonight. Um, this is a masterful, all-time great performance by Kevin Durant. Uh, I mean, this possibly could be his greatest individual performance 
and it's already up there as one of the best individual performances in the netting in the history of the NBA. I mean, it, no other person has had that stat line, played the full 48 minutes, and kind of just where his team was start the game and to kind of end the way they did. Terrific, uh, fantastic performance. Again, if you didn't catch the game, Kevin Durant was truly elite in this one. Played every, as Ali Khan already mentioned, played every single minute of this game. Had 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks on 16 of 23 shooting, 4 of 9 from behind the arc, 13 of 16 at the line. This is not a Brooklyn Nets podcast. This is not even a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. But this is a podcast that appreciates elite, beautiful, sensational basketball. And that's exactly what Kevin Durant had in this game. Now on the flip side, Alicon, we had James Harden, who made his debut. Well, not really his debut in the series. He played, what, 17 seconds before, um, but comes back from the hamstring injury, probably being rushed back a little bit. Um, does not look like himself, does not have the same burst, the explosiveness. It oh, looks yeah. like he's moving. He can't do what he wants to do. Not not whatsoever. They're util- and they utilized him you know, largely as a decoy in this one, right? And yeah. I think that was at least still effective to an extent for what the Nets were trying to accomplish. Yeah, you know, when it comes to James, what you like him to do, especially when he's on the perimeter, is probe. He can still do that even in a state where he is a lot more stationary. Um, within the offense, he was kind of like their high post quarterback. And what I mean by that, he was initiating the offense from the high post and the perimeter, never really getting going other than a few possessions where he attacked off the pick and roll to keep, kind of keep his defender honest. But more so, it was just, you know, him making correct reads, making correct passes, and making a lot of hockey assists. He had seven assists tonight, probably a numerous number of hockey assists as well. Just getting his team in the right spots. Another ball handler to bring the ball up the court to give Kevin some time off. And and just basically, like I said, allow you to get into the flow and the rhythm of the offense that you want. Defensively, I'm surprised that Milwaukee did not attack him as much as they should have done, honestly. You know, a lot of people will make a big deal that, you know, uh, about Giannis kind of taking a fadeaway over James, rightfully so. But where I think they, the Milwaukee messed up on the most was that they weren't really attacking James on, on help defense. Giannis and other players, they can get by um, Blake Griffin or Jeff Green, you know, if they do multiple times. There, there's going to be numerous possessions like that. Now, if you're doing that consistently, James Harden's going to be the one who's camping the lane, trying to kind of help, not to help, kind of, you know, stunt one way, stunt the other. He's not going to help as effectively as you would like to. I don't think he's playing at full strength, obviously. Um, you can see that whenever he's trying to kind of attack off and plant off that right foot, he's unable to do so that, that effectively. But I think game six is going to come down to can Milwaukee really attack James and hurt him defensively, not as a one-on-one defender. James can hold his own, even if he's hobbled a little bit, but attack him as a help defender. because That's one area where if you are hobbled, you're going to struggle. You're not able to get into the same rotations if you're moving side to side. Continuing on here at Locked on Nets, your daily podcast on all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. No, okay. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, you know, it's just, it's one of those games where, you know, we were preoccupied with it. We wanted to focus on it. James Harden made his true debut in the series and he is, you know, the ex, you know, franchise player for the Rockets. And to me, that's a little bit relevant news as to what's going on. I mean, we bumped our usual time slot back an entire hour on this Tuesday evening live via the locker room app because we both wanted to kind of partake and watch this game a little bit. And look, at the end of the day, I've already, you know, aired my piece on this, Ali Khan. I don't know where you're at with this, but I- I'm pulling for James Harden to win a title. Um, like, you know, if it comes down to him or Chris Paul, if it's a, a Nets Suns finals, 
whatever. I'm, I will be distraught, but I will be happy that one of them, uh, and then as well as Mike D'Antoni walks away with a ring. Um, but I'm not sure where you're at on this. Are you, you know, as it's, as somebody who's covered the team as thoroughly as you have, where is your head at when you're looking at James Harden and how this season happened, how he forced his way out of Houston and, you know, how he's progressing now with the Brooklyn Nets? You know, I've always looked at James as one of the smartest players in the league. It's it's a joy to watch him play the game, and especially when he's healthy, kind of dictate the pace, the tempo, break down, dissect the defense. Um, so, you know, honestly, I don't really have any rooting interests um, in these playoffs, but I will say you want to watch the best basketball you can. So I want James to be healthy. I want CP to be healthy. I want all these guys to be healthy so we can actually see these, this, this great basketball. I think all the coaches who are left here in the Western Conference playoffs are fantastic coaches. They're good at making adjustments. They're good with the X's and O's. You just want quality basketball, and that's, that's all I'm rooting for. That game tonight, that was quality basketball. It was really fun to watch. Well, we we do have, again, this is Locked on Rockets, and we're going to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. We're going to kind of reflect on his season because that's what this episode was initially going to be entirely about. But again, we had to dedicate a little bit of time to just kind of react and, and you know, kind of bask in what was some really amazing, intense playoff basketball between two of the best teams in the league in the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. So coming up, we're going to start on our Kevin Porter Jr. reflection, looking back at his season, trying to figure out where things, you know, maybe need to improve, what we did like out of him, all that good stuff. After a quick message from our friends over at, you guessed it, Locker Room. Because, hey, Locker Room is the first social audio platform that is made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, you can talk with other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. So you can come in and chat with us right here like you're doing right now. Hang out in the chat, jump up on stage, all that good stuff. So go download the free Locker Room app, and it's on all iOS devices. It's available on Android in beta testing right now. Grab the app, create an account, follow me at JT Gatlin, follow Alicon at Rockets underscore Insider. I don't think he's changed it to Nets Insider quite just yet. Um, so it's still Rockets underscore Insider on the Locker Room app. So follow us, check us out every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. Now, continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball and sometimes Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Um, Alicon, when we look at Kevin Porter Jr. and where he came from, let's reflect. Let's go all the way back to when the first when when the news first broke that we had the, the Cleveland Cavaliers had Kevin Porter Jr. There was the locker room incident. You know, they gave away his locker. He had the the, you know, the the breakdown i guess i mean he just he was distraught he was upset um you know did not look good for the cleveland cavaliers organization didn't look good for kevin porter jr obviously a you know change of scenery was going to be needed and the rockets were the team that took a flyer on him with most people saying that the rockets quote unquote got kpj for free because they basically gave a top 55 protected second round draft pick that's never going to convey for him what was your reaction when the rockets actually acquired kevin porter jr not making a comparison based off of personality or based off of skill level talent, but you know, this started, um, this started making me feel like this was back in like 2009, 2010, 2011, when you're Daryl Morey and you're getting guys like a Jordan Hill or a Terrence Williams or somebody you're taking a flyer on to see, can they live up to the potential that they had going into that draft? Kevin Porter Jr., I think, is somebody with a lot of skill. I think that's one thing I've learned a lot covering him so far this season. When he talked to a lot of these guys on opposing teams, 
the first thing they mention is the word skill. He has a lot of skill. He has a lot of good game in him. He He's one of those few players as a rookie or as a young player, as a sophomore now, who can really play at his own tempo, dictate his own tempo, kind of leverage his timing and his speed to his advantage. And that's a skill. That, is, that, is, that doesn't just come with natural ability. That takes time to develop. And he's definitely worked on that, um, and along with kind of his natural innate talents as well. Um, but, you know, he, he is somebody that the Rockets really do like. They want to continue to give more time to to see how he um, can function as a lead ball handler. And that's something to me that has surprised me the most is not just that the fact that they've put him in that position. I think that was expected. But the fact that he's grown so much in this short period of time um, with all the game experience, but going from the G League to playing in an NBA season or playing in the second half of the season and having that role, especially with and without John Wall. Now, that's not easy for a young player. You're learning a role where they want you to be a ball handler, but you're having to play alongside the team's actual lead ball handler. And that takes an adjustment. And whenever he's on walls not playing, it also takes an adjustment in how to kind of shift your your role and go back to being that lead ball handler as well. And so, you know, he's he's definitely impressed me in some ways. And there are ways where you see this guy's only a sophomore. He has a lot to grow up uh, in terms of his game. He, he will get to over the course of his career. Um, but a lot of positives to take away if you're a Rockets fans um, after um, the season for Kevin Porter Jr. And I think too, you know, I, I look back on, you know, when the trade first happened and obviously the, the Rockets season kind of started spiraling out of control pretty quickly, you know, getting to the point where we were watching, we were more excited to watch Vipers games than we were to watch actual Rockets games, which was, that was a mood about halfway through the season, man. That was, those were some dark times. Um, but thankfully yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. Was a light during those trying times. And I remember sitting down uh, during the, during the all-star break uh, when I did a show with uh, Rockets courtside reporter Kaylee Griffin, who was phenomenal, amazing interview. If you haven't checked out that episode, go back and listen to it. A lot of it's mostly focusing on her and her career journey, as well as you know her role with the Rockets. Um, so it's still kind of relevant. Uh, it's kind of a, a timeless interview. One of the favorite people that I've ever had on the pod. And she highlighted her relationship with uh, Lindsey Gottlieb of the Cleveland Cavaliers organization and how highly she spoke of Kevin Porter Jr. and how, you know, she truly believed that he was just such a good kid, a good soul, you know, and just maybe needed to change the scenery, just, you know, needed to get his head right. And it seems like at least right now with the Rockets organization, they've been able to achieve that. John Lucas has been instrumental in that front, uh, really trying to provide that, that mentorship element to Kevin Porter Jr., both just what he can mentor him with as being, you know, a, a great ex player in John Lucas, but also just somebody who is kind of a spiritual leader uh, for many players throughout the NBA in John Lucas. And so I think this situation was honestly a match made in heaven for Kevin Porter Jr. He's able to step into an organization that has time for him to, you know, kind of plug him in and say, hey, we trust you. We want to give you the ball. We want to, you know, kind of give you the keys to an extent, like you said, when John Wall's not out there. Um, and let him really grow and play his game. And I mean, he had a really, really, really productive, uh, you know, stint with the Rockets. We look at his numbers for the season and Kevin Porter Jr. averaged 16.6 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 6.3 assists, uh, hair under 43% from, from the floor, and then a little over 31% from the three-point line. And Alicon, I know that that's going to be an area that you and I are going to both harp on is his three-point shooting. But 
there's nothing like mechanically wrong with his shot. It's just for, for whatever reason, he just had a really hard time getting the three ball to fall this time around. I, I also, I mean, it may not be a mechanical thing as much as it needs to be more of a rhythm and kind of getting the reps in and, and seeing the ball go through. Um, you know, when I've talked to different scouts who have watched Kevin Porter Jr., they think that he will be, eventually become a good three-point shooter. Just He just needs to continue to work on that aspect of his game. One thing I want to key in on um, that, that I think John Lucas is really going to help him a lot with is his um, ability to play alongside another ball handler. Now, why is that conversation important for Rockets fans? Well, you're likely going to have John Ball here next season. You're likely going to have Eric Gordon here next season. And if that's the case and you get a top four draft pick, as many Rockets fans are hoping for, there's a very good possibility you can get another ball handler or a shot creator or scorer here as well. That's another person that's going to take the ball out of Kevin Porter Jr.'s hands. He has to learn how he can, how well he can he play with others. I do think for him that he only did play in limit, those limited games alongside John Wall, but the thing that gives me confidence that they can work out is the fact that John Wall was a much better catch-and-shoot three-point uh, catch percentage shooter than he was on pull-ups. And if you give the ball in Kevin Porter Jr.'s hand, allow him to continue to develop, make those primary, secondary, tertiary, advanced-level reads as, he's, as he is capable of making, he can get to that level where he can get John Wall open. He can play off with John Wall as well uh, and get to those spots. That's one thing I actually asked Steven Salas as we headed towards the end of the season is, you know, how good is he in a point guard? And he mentioned the fact that he can already make those types of reads, those advanced level reads that you that you see. There's been passes we've discussed previously in Lockdown Rockets film room that he's made. That's you know, him looking at the weak side player, looking at the help side player, and then based off of using his eyes and his vision, being able to create a passing lane for his teammate. That's stuff that's going to continue to get better and better over time and which should give you more confidence that he can really become a good playmaker for this team. I, I would I would argue almost, Ali Khan, that it's not that he's, you know, that he's going, that he has the potential to become a good playmaker for this team, that he already is a good playmaker, right? But that he has almost an upward ceiling, uh, a, you know, a potential ceiling of being an elite playmaker in the top, you know, percentages of the league. You look at, uh, per cleaning the glass, uh, KPJ ranked in the 91st percentile uh, of assist percentage uh, amongst playmakers in the NBA, uh, amongst uh, other combo guards. So, you know, amongst the likes of, you know, the James Hardens of the league, right? James Harden ranks in the 99th percentile. So Kevin Porter Jr., not too far behind, uh, generating uh, shots for roughly about 30% of his teammates per cleaning the glass. So, I mean, you look at that and you mentioned just the difficulty, the, you know, some of the passes that he was able to create, the ways that he was breaking down defenses and finding his teammates. I think that his ceiling really, I mean, the scoring is there, right? And we talked about the three-point shooting, and I do want to mention that Ron chimed in in the chat on Locker Room saying that he thinks sometimes the three-point shooting might be balance-related. And I think that's a, de a pretty solid observation that sometimes KPJ doesn't quite get his footing underneath him or get his shoulders completely squared up going into a shot. Um, but really, the playmaking is the element that I think for both of us probably stands out the most from Kevin Porter Jr. And when you look at the Rockets team and how they're trying to build, there's a conversation that a uh, good friend of the podcast, Karthik Prasad, likes to bring up on Twitter quite often. And it's, a, it's, it's become a little bit of a buzzword lately. So I want to pick your brains on this. The term engine of an offense, you know, when it comes to when it comes to an NBA team. 
And the it feels like this term gets thrown around Rockets Twitter a lot. We, you know, called James Harden the engine of the Mike D'Antoni offense. And, you know, the, the ball, all the actions run through him, all that stuff. Do you view Kevin Porter Jr. as the type of player who can be an engine of an NBA offense? Or do you think that's a bad word or phrase to throw around? <sighs> I, I don't think it's a bad word or phrase because if you want to be an elite offensive team, you need to have an engine or multiple parts of an engine. You know, just to complete honesty, I don't know yet if Kevin Porter Jr. is capable of becoming – or not, I wouldn't say capable. I don't know if he is the type of player who can or will be an engine of an offense. He's still really young. He has a lot to show me to be able to get to that point. I think, like I said earlier, he is somebody who can dictate and play to his pace, play to his tempo, which will allow him to be a good offensive player in the league for a long time. The question can be, can he make not only himself, but his teammates better, right? And so for me, that's going to come down to, can he make those reads consistently? Can he balance between being a scorer and also being a passer as well? We look at the Milwaukee game where he took advantage of mismatches and attacked or even mismatches, he just took advantage of the defenders he was that, that, that he put him against. Or if he got the switch against bigger guys, he's kind of scored on. By the same time, he read the defense when he saw people shooting towards him, he made the right pass. That has to become a consistent thing where he is able to not only score, but have a balance between passing, scoring, getting his teammates involved, and reading the game. He's just not there yet for me to say that he is capable of being an engine. Like I said, that's not me saying that he's never going to get there. Very possible he can be. Just right now, I haven't seen enough for me to say that he he, he can get there um, relatively quickly. That's fair. I mean, we have uh, you know less than a thirty game sample size of him in a Rockets jersey. Um, you know, we'll, it'll be much more evident kind of what the. Uh, timeline of his progression is going to be after getting at least one more season as a Houston Rocket under his belt, uh, hopefully with another top four prospect alongside him, which is actually a topic that I want to bring up here in just a second. I don't want to bring up the uh, issue of necessarily, you know, I, I don't want to get too draft oriented, but I do have a question that I want to pose to you about the fit and the the kind of roster construction uh, involving Kevin Porter Jr. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Now, look, if you've never had a protein bar, I wish I should have I should have grabbed my Built Bars. They're right over there. They're like three feet away from me on the counter and I could flash them on the camera because we are also now on YouTube, which is super cool. So I should have had the vi the visual element. I'm slacking on the YouTube side of things, but Built Bar, it's the best protein bar on the market. And the reason why? Because they're protein bars that don't taste like protein bars. They're basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk. Can't go wrong with any of them. They're all low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to receive a 15% discount on your very next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I was trying to show myself rubbing my stomach as if like, oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> but the camera angle won't let me get there. It's okay. Uh, hey, well, you know what? Built Bar, I appreciate Alicon and so and Built Bar appreciates it. Now here's the twist, right? Is can you figure out something to do to illustrate Bet Online? Because that's the next message that I've got is we got to talk about Bet Online, which, oh, is dude, that, the, there no, we go. Oh. 
Dude, this is, this is better not turn into a gift. I know this is going to uh, turn you know into what? a gift. Gonna, oh, it's abso- it's absolutely going to turn into a gift. This is great. This is the greatest ad read I've ever done in my life. But Bet Online is the fastest oh. and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We got baseball season in full swing. Uh, NBA playoffs are here. We just had the masterclass performance from Kevin Durant uh, in the Brooklyn Nets victory against the Milwaukee Bucks. You also got NHL, UFC, MMA, you name it, they've got it over at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time to get in on the action. Use promo code Locked On, and you will receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we are rolling into our final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Quick reminder that today on our road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games just a little bit more this season. Or, hey, maybe enjoy Michelob Ultra while you're uh, watching the draft lottery, which I, somebody asked earlier, uh, I'm going to be doing something live in some capacity for that. I, I don't know what yet, um, but something we're doing something with Locked On. It's definitely going to involve me and Ryland Styles from Locked On Thunder because one of us is going to be extremely happy come draft lottery night, and one of us is going to be very, very sad. And if the Rockets lose their pick, you might see me cry like live on stream, which is going to be awful. But, you know, that'll be gift worthy if it happens. Now, Ali Khan, the question that I kind of had for you, and I want to get your take on this. When I look at the construction of a team and, you know, a team that really wants to, you know, build towards something great and have championship aspirations. And I'm kind of basing this a little bit on the model of the 2017, 2018 Rockets team, which I know that, you know, I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole. There's been a lot of discourse on Rockets Twitter about that team. We're not going to do that, but I do have to reference that team in the sense that, One, James Harden's defensive deficiencies have largely been overblown. You know, he had the one, you know, defensive collapse montage that went viral and everybody thought he was a terrible defender. I will admit, and I'm sure you can too, that there were plenty of times that he would, you know, fall asleep on defense or take a player two off. And that's totally, you know, it's a bit understandable for star players to do that. But when he needed to be locked in, final possession of the game, crunch time, you know, great post defender, all those things, a lot of the time, you know, media wouldn't give James Harden his credit. But you still look at James Harden's call him maybe a, a neutral defender or at times a net negative defender. And it really felt like that 2017-2018 team for the Rockets did a phenomenal job of putting a bunch of plus defenders around James Harden. You had Chris Paul, plus defender. Trevor Reza, plus defender. P.J. Tucker, plus defender. Clint Capella, plus defender. So when I look at Kevin Porter Jr. and I look at the fact that he does struggle defensively, not nearly as much as a young James Harden perhaps, but I don't know if he's necessarily ever going to be a plus defender. I worry from a roster construction standpoint that you need to try and put other capable plus defenders around him if he is a long-term piece of the Rockets' future. And that's why I'm still currently higher on Jalen Suggs than I am Jalen Green, because I view Jalen Green as another guy who's potentially a defensive liability fit in that backcourt. And so if you try to line those two guys up together, even though the, the you know offensive ceiling for Jalen Green is through the roof, I'm a little worried about the defense. Should I be that concerned? How do you feel about that take? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's the wrong take to have, especially after what we witnessed this season. Um, a couple of areas where I would like to see Kevin Porter Jr. improve. Number one, transition. You're going for a three-point shot, and the guy who's closing out on you is like, oh, my God, 
You know, he's attempting the three-point shot. He's going to, you know, look at his fall through. I'm just going to look at him transition. I know other teams do it to other players as well. This is not something that's just for Kevin Porter Jr. But it happens way too many times for it to not be on the scouting report against him. That he needs to stop looking at his follow-through and just sitting and, and, and sometimes just kind of shaking his head and needs to get back on the play and play some transition defense. That's number one. Number two, he's actually a good it, – it, in times or more times, and not a good isolation defender. And I have the numbers in front of them. I read them out um, to the folks um, who are listening and also watching to us right now. 83rd percentile in isolation. 84th percentile surprisingly in pick and roll. And the reason why I say surprisingly is because a guy like Kevin Porter Jr., you wouldn't ordinarily think he's a good pick and roll defender. But the reason why he's so successful is because he has these kind of lingy, lengthy arms allow him to maneuver on screens well. If he has enough talent around him that he can not only, um, you know, be a focal point of the offense, but also play defensive, I think he's somebody who can play and excel at drop coverage. And I think that also speaks that that percentile also speaks to how well Christian Wood developed that second half of the season as a drop big, as well as Kelly Olenek and kind of the job Kelly Olenek did uh, defending bigs inside the paint as well. If Kevin Porter Jr. can kind of keep that up and uh, they can continue to add more layers to the defensive scheme. I think Kevin Porter Jr. can be a serviceable defender in terms of their base coverage and also in switching that they need to do. An area where I am looking at further improvement from him is as a help defender. And what I mean by that is, for example, if I'm an opposing team, I have Kevin Porter Jr. You know, on my corner three-point shooter in, the, in whatever, left or right corner, I'm going to try to bring him up to set a screen and attack him in space. Or I'm going to try to attack and pick and roll and dive towards the rim and force him to be able to help on that lob or force him to be able to help on that pass. If you're an opposing team, you always have to pick on you, – you, you like to pick on Kevin Porter Jr. not only on the ball, but especially off the ball as well. He needs to fix that heading into next season and the rest of his career. So if we're going to each have a takeaway here for Kevin Porter Jr. and and the, the thing that he needs to improve the most going into next season – I'm I'm going to go first because I, I think mine's a bit of a cop-out because it's kind of a simple one, but it is the area that I think that once he further develops this skill, it'll unlock so much more of the rest of his game, and that's got to be getting that consistent three-point shot, right? If, is if he can work on that over this offseason, get that three-point shot up to a more reliable percentage, you know, I'm thinking, again, that 35-36 mark. He can create his own shot. He's got the step back. It's very James Harden-esque. Um, you know, if he's able to get that three-point percentage a little bit higher, it's going to unlock the rest of his driving game. It'll unlock his ability to thrive even more so than he already has in the pick and roll. It'll continue to unlock things for his teammates. And the most important thing, as you illustrated earlier, is there's a very big chance that John Wall is still wearing a Houston Rockets jersey next season. And if he is, and if maybe the Rockets walk away with a Cade Cunningham, fingers crossed, knock on wood, in the draft, then... KPJ needs to be able to play off ball. And I think that was an area that we revisited, you know, early on uh, or not early on, you know, uh, in an earlier episode talking about Kevin Porter Jr. His numbers when his usage rate is uh, through the roof versus when his usage rate is the lowest are it's a stark comparison. Like his numbers drop off a cliff when his usage rate plummets. And that's maybe it's a rhythm thing. Maybe it's a confidence thing. But I think a big part of that and a big proponent of that was some of the games where he played more so off ball to John Wall, who was commanding more of the ball, you know, operating things, running the offense through him. KPJ just didn't have the rhythm, didn't have the confidence, all of that. And so that's another thing that he needs to work on. So maybe 
even as an extension of his three-point shot, maybe it's just his confidence overall because we saw so many times he's so animated when he messes something up, when he misses a shot, he gets so down on himself that, you know, and I know that the coaching staff is there encouraging him. His teammates are trying to lift him up, but he's just, he strikes me as the kind of guy that just gets so in his own head at times that it's very detrimental to his play. You know, you know, good point about the shooting for me, um, the area I'm going to look at the most is his ability to impact the game when he does not have the ball. Um, and, And, that goes into having the ball in terms of his confidence, but more so how did, how can he dictate dictate the tempo and the pace of the game as he can, as, as well as he does when he has the ball, but except when he doesn't have the ball. Can he move around the screens effectively? Can he set pin downs? Can he do, do um, the proper spacing that needs to be done? Can When he gives up the ball, can he relocate to a proper place where the ball handler who has the ball has more space to drive inside and kind of continue to play off the ball like we just talked about here how can he impact the game in ways besides having the ball in his hands i think he's he's a good knockdown three-point shooter he's really good at coming off of pin downs that's one thing the rockets have really tried to implement with him is coming off those little pin downs and curls those dribble handoffs either with kelly Linick and christian wood and getting him the ball on the run he's really good at that because he's able to maneuver and contort his body really well with his pace and ability to kind of just levitate in the air when he needs to get a shot up, but also because he has the ability to hit a mid-range shot. That's something that he hit at a really good percentage this season that I'm eager to see him continue to do moving forward. But it all comes down to he has to make sure he has a good balance of play and knows when to pick his spots. That's something young players take a couple years to develop. I'm not expecting him to be an expert or elite at it next season. I would just like to see him take that next step forward in terms of being able to do those certain It's definitely going to be exciting to see Kevin Porter Jr. continue to develop as a Houston Rocket, and we are going to have you covered for all of that and more, as always, here at Locked on Rockets. But that is going to do it for today's episode. If you're in the locker room with us, hang tight. Sit there. We've got Locked on Rockets After Dark coming up in just a moment. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. If you haven't yet, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the new YouTube channel. Subscribe there. We've got tons of amazing content coming out. I'm going to – I just had an interview with Rockets legend version Maxwell. We might have another Rockets legend coming on on the show very, very soon. I'm working on it. Uh, I got a lot lot of little uh, irons in the fire right now. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets. Your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.